Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker. I'm an author, producer, two-time Emmy Award winner, and host of That Girl the Podcast. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and stories to help you become that girl or that guy in your life. That Girl the Podcast is based on the romantic comedy That Girl and Novel, which is now available as a podcast to listen to. Listen to each chapter about finding yourself and adulting in LA. Find That Girl and Novel everywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can also find it on Amazon to buy the Kindle or paperback of. For more, find us at thatgirlthepodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at thatgirlthepodcast and our Instagram page. Welcome, Julia Campbell, to That Girl the Podcast. I am so excited to talk to you. You are going to talk to us about your company and building social media for nonprofits and brands. And even being in the Peace Corps, I'm very excited to hear your story and how you can help others. Um, But I always like to let people introduce themselves first because I feel that they can always do a better job than I can. (laughs) So in brief, tell us about you. Uh, I'm Julia Campbell. I live north of Boston. I'm a mom of two. I have been a business owner for 11 years. And I have worked in nonprofits and with social causes my entire life. And that's what I do right now. I help nonprofits raise money and raise awareness. Amazing. So let's start with the Peace Corps. How did this come to you? How were you like, I want to go do this? And then tell me about what that was like. So I think it was before the Devil Wears Prada came out, but that was basically the life I wanted. I was a journalist and I was interviewing in New York City at fashion magazines and literally living that life and just absolutely hating it. It wasn't for me. I didn't Mm -hmm. have this experience where I ended up loving it and wanting to work at Vogue or Teen Vogue or Cosmo. So what happened was I just, I knew that I was destined for something else. I wanted to travel, but I didn't have any money to travel. And I also didn't want to be that backpacker that just sort of swung in and out a week here, a couple of days there. I yeah. really wanted to live inside another culture and really get to know it. Mm-hmm. So when you apply for the Peace Corps, at least back when I did, it's about a year process. I mean, they really vet you. There's interviews, there's medical you know, examinations, there's all sorts of things that go on. Right. And you really have to have kind of your ducks in a row. Like you, you know, you really have to be very lucky to be able to dedicate two and a half years of your life. But I, yeah, I ended up in Senegal in West Africa, which is where they send the liberal arts majors (laughs) doing (laughs) um, public health campaigns. (laughs) And I lived in a tiny village called Sarigayo. It was Fulani, a Fulani village um, and no running water, no electricity. So it was Pretty intense. What was a day-to-day experience like for you? Uh, So I remember there's a weekend, we call it stage, where you're kind of thrown into the fire. So you're in training for three months. But during those three months, just I guess to see how if you're going to crack or not, they (laughs) send you out to the village to live completely by yourself for 48 hours. You do not speak the language. You have literally no clue what's going on. You have no other people that um, speak English around you or you have no other volunteers around you. So that weekend, I remember, I've just recently reread and found my journals. Thankfully, I kept journals. Feeling like a complete 
alien, feeling like, I mean, everything you do is under scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Talk about really having to um, have your, you know, SHIT together for lack of a better word. You are a representative of America. You know, you're Mm -hmm. a representative of your generation. You're a representative of, um, you know, Americans everywhere. So I felt like you're definitely under a spotlight. You're definitely scrutinized, but the, the, really the, the influence that you have, people really listen to you. People trust you. Um, it, it was like nothing else that I've ever, ever experienced. It's very slow, slow moving. So not a lot goes on in a day, but a lot goes on in a year. Wow. So after the first year, what had you learned? What had happened? So what you do, what you do, at least in the Peace Corps where I was, you have to really take a year to get people to know you, to get people to trust you, mm-hmm. to figure out what are the needs of the community. Um, because what you don't want is to come in guns blazing and be like, I'm going to build a well, I'm going to build a school when actually the needs might be something else, or you might want to be working with the local health center, or maybe like in our case, we just really needed a farmer's market with more fresh produce. So you want to really understand the community that you're put in, what are their needs, what are their wants, and then really what's possible um, under the circumstances, especially when you're not, you don't understand the language and the culture. Um, And in Senegal, where I was, it, um, everyone is Muslim. So on top of it, a totally different religion um, from me, from what I had experienced. So it was a big learning curve. But after a year, you do kind of get your footing and then you try to figure out what are the little projects that I can do? What are some of the things that I can do to make an impact here? And what were some of those things that you got to do? So we decided, I worked with another volunteer in another village, and we thought that the best use of our time would be, if, you know, to work with the women, right? To work with the moms, because who are the people that actually make the stuff happen every day are yeah. the women. <laughs> yes. So we thought, why don't we work with the well-respected elders like the older women, because they are the people that the other people come to when they have a cut or they have a wound or they think they have malaria or they're pregnant. So we worked with them on getting them to um, getting them to influence others to use like malaria nets Mm -hmm. or even just using soap to prepare food or like to prepare tools for when someone was going to have a surgery or, I mean, really just small, small, tiny, tiny things. But It's just so interesting to me and not to totally turn it back into business, but you really have to understand who can actually make things happen. It's like anything else. You can't just go in there. I mean, I had never given birth. I'd never even been pregnant when I was there. And I was here talking to women that had 10 children and I was trying to teach them about maternal health and like safe sex. And it felt, it just didn't feel right. But then if I could train other respected people, to then relay that information. So it's not just going in and throwing a bunch of pamphlets everywhere. It's really going in and trying to educate the influencers, the movers and the shakers, the people that really get things done and the people that are going to be there when you leave um, at the end of the day. So we decided to train a group of women. We actually brought them to the the quote unquote, you know, the city, the town. Um, We did several trainings on several different topics. We worked with local doctors and it was just really, it was really cool to see because 
I don't think, you know, they'd never been given that opportunity before. Some of them had never even left their village before. Yeah. I can absolutely see how that would translate into marketing. I know that sounds like a stretch, but I can. No, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah. You're, you're figuring out who can I, not only how can I talk to these people in a way that they will understand and receive it, also making your clients, your potential clients just trust you, which is Mm -hmm. everything. Um, Okay. So it's no like, it's no like and trust. That's what I teach in all my courses. (laughs) Right. So let's get into that. So you come home, obviously, um, you work in marketing and whatnot, and then you decide to start your own company. Um, how did that come about? I was a development director for many years. I worked in development, grant writing, marketing for universities, for small community-based organizations. And I was laid off from my job at eight months pregnant, and this was in 2009. So the fantastic stock market crash. (laughs) Such a good time. Um, My husband was working in finance. We were really, we were very, very lucky, but we were really unsure what was going to happen. So it ended up, I mean, this is how every entrepreneur's story starts. Mm -hmm. It ended up being really fantastic. I was miserable in that job. I didn't think I was going to stay. I felt like I had to stay like the golden handcuffs, all of that. Mm. I wasn't getting paid a ton of money, but I did feel like I needed the benefits and it was (sighs) the recession and everything else. I would never have left. And then I just went off on my own and I started freelancing and I started learning a lot. And I started working with nonprofits on social media because it was fairly new at the time, 11 years ago. Sure. People weren't sure how to do digital fundraising, email marketing, even websites, even donation pages, certainly not. They didn't know how to set up social media accounts. So that's really how I got my start. Wow. Okay. So you have this incredible story with the Peace Corps and you've learned so much. And I love that that's where you started really learning how to work with people um, because whether they speak your language or not, they're always just people and they're just going to judge you and decide what you are and who you are by the way you treat them. So um, talk to me about what you teach um, in marketing. And, you know, I know you primarily work with uh, nonprofits, but for a listener out there who's, you know, maybe a solopreneur or they have a small company or whatnot, um, I feel like a lot of it can maybe translate into helping them build their a better social presence. Exactly. I think the very first thing you need to know, you need to know who you are, whether you are a nonprofit, whether you're a social cause, whether you're a founder, an entrepreneur, and that comes with time. You don't need to know exactly what you want to accomplish in 10 years, but you need to know who you are and what you stand for. Mm -hmm. And we all stand for something. And you also need to be really willing to be uncomfortable and know that not everyone's going to like you. And so I say that to my clients all the time because they want to be liked. You know, they're an animal mm-hmm. shelter, they're a little local museum, they're a community theater, they're a university, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. They think they know that they are on a mission to change the world, to transform lives, to make things better. And they want everyone to pay attention and they want everyone on board. And that is just not viable. Mm -hmm. If you water down your message, it's not going to reach anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, if you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. That was Seth Godin that said that one of my absolute favorite authors, but he is incredible. So what, what he talks about is how marketing is not a transaction. 
it's not about what you get out of it. It's really about what you put into it. It's how much effort and value you're dedicating to building a community rather than just a list of bank transactions. So, you know, I think about, I think about what I try to teach my, the nonprofit organizations I work with, the very small, small organizations, they have very little capacity. They're doing all the things. Mm -hmm. Just don't try to be everywhere at once. Focus on your goals, focus on your audience, focus on who you want to attract, be very strategic, very thoughtful, very meaningful, and then choose and pick the platforms that you focus on based solely on your goals and your audience. So I actually just got off a call with a client and she works with an environmental organization here um, in the Blue Hills. And she's very frustrated about Twitter. Stop. You know? oh, hold on. My phone dinged. <laughs> I didn't That's okay. It wasn't on a, and then my cat also was like clawing at my nose. Oh, I didn't even hear your cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're very quiet, but they love it when I'm on camera. They're like, oh ah! my God, my kids are at school. Thank goodness. They'd be in here in five minutes. They're just like that. They are three mm-hmm. years old. They are just like that. Okay. Yeah. Can you start over with, I just got off the phone with the client. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's fine. No, it's okay. Um, yeah. So I just got off the phone with a client and she is the executive director for um, an organization that works to preserve and protect the Blue Hills here in Massachusetts. She was feeling very overwhelmed and flustered by Twitter, which is not mine that I call her out. I don't think that she will. But it's the relatable. advice that I gave her <laughs> was if Twitter is not working for you, put it on pause And then evaluate if you really need it. Like, I don't think that these tiny little organizations, she's not trying to connect with legislators. She's not trying to be a gigantic thought leader and connect with huge journalists and, Mm -hmm. you know, influencers. She's trying to build her membership and, you know, really increase the number of people that are hiking and taking advantage of the beautiful property of the Blue Hills and like spread the message that way. She's on Facebook. She's on Instagram. I did tell her she has to be on Instagram. That's where the hikers are. (laughs) That's where the nature seekers are. That's where the outdoorsy people are. So be where your audience is and don't be where you think you have to be. Don't try to fit like a square peg in a round hole. Oh, that is so true. And I absolutely, this is great advice if you're listening and you have a small business or a solopreneur and you're just like, no, no, you know, I have to be on all the social medias. I'm actually not on Twitter. And I mean, I've never really been a big Twitter person and I'm not really going to start now. (laughs) Like I get what it's used for and, you know, perhaps maybe I'll start, but I think that there's a lot of freedom in being like, okay, these are my social medias. And, you know, you'll also see which one works more for you. Mm-hmm. Instagram is much better for me than Facebook, but mm-hmm. some people it's Facebook versus Instagram mm-hmm. or you now know, it's clubhouse and TikTok oh, right. and totally. Yeah. And like, also, I think it's good to remember to not be afraid to get on something like TikTok or yes. clubhouse because you've never done it. Or it seems like all the young Gen Z's are on it. Oh my God, there are so many people on Clubhouse that are of all ages talking about mm-hmm. a million things. And yeah. TikTok is not just for kids. It is it's not fun. <laughs> my daughter always wants me to do TikToks with her because there's a whole like mom and daughter segment of it, I think. See? I don't I don't really know. <laughs> I watch it a lot. I'm not a creator. I like stalk yeah. my daughter's TikTok. Right. But right. yeah, be, don't be afraid to experiment and then don't be afraid to fail. And if you are on it and you post once and you leave. It's not the end of the world. You know, we're not, 
curing cancer here with TikTok. Like right. you are on there to explore, to find a new audience, to maybe have fun, mm-hmm. to get exposure to new things. And if it doesn't work, then I think just learning from it and unpacking it and figuring out where your efforts could be better spent. I think that's a very valuable experience. Absolutely. And going back to one of the things you said previously too, is don't water down your message to reach everyone. That Mm -hmm. is like number one in marketing. Please pick your thing. Be you really, really be you. If you're like you, like you mentioned, like an animal shelter, like if you're a really specific kind of animal shelter, good, because there's no one else like you. That's your superpower as people like to say. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's just amazing advice. And people do uh, like in the coaching world, people get really obsessed with the whole, like, well, I want to, you know, talk to people about relationships and business and it's just everywhere. And in the beginning, at least focus on one thing and see how it goes. And Mm -hmm. maybe then you can bring other things in, but yeah, making sure not to water down your message is so big. So I'm actually taking Selena Sue's Impacting Millions course, which is a fantastic online course. And what she talks about is think about what you want to be known for. Mm. There's a whole entire module on what do you want to be known for? And I think that is, I think about that every day when people talk about you, whether you're a nonprofit, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a business owner, what do you want to be known for? Like if I brought you up in conversation, if someone came to me and said, oh, I need, we're just bringing up the animal shelter. I have a cat or I need, I want to get a, a cat, but I, I want it to be, you know, I don't want it to be sold. I, I don't want it to mm. be bred. Like I want it to be a rescue cat. Can you help me? And then if you want to be known for that, I should, my, your name should be popping up in my mind. So Mm -hmm. really think about that, you know, cultural experiences or art or theater or children's services. What do you want to be known for? How do you want to be brought up in conversation? I struggle with that constantly because I'm, you know, the multi-passionate entrepreneur and I like to do a million things. (laughs) Um, I I have a million, you know, my blog posts are all over the map, but I think, trying to drill down into how you want people to talk about you, how you want to be remembered. What is your legacy? Um, and you know, what are they going to write in your obituary? I, I think about that a lot too. Yeah. I think that's, I feel you on that. I'm definitely a multi-passionate, but I've also noticed that when I lean really into the things that I'm extremely yes. passionate about, I'm like, actually, I only do a few things that I'm really into. Mm -hmm. I love learning. And it sounds like you probably do too. So it's always fun to learn and try and all of it. But like, yeah, I mean, there's only like three things that I'm like, that's probably how someone would describe me with these three things. And it would be true, you know, but I've also learned just recently too, and maybe the last couple of years, like it's okay. It's okay to do a few Mm -hmm. things and be known for them. And they don't necessarily have to correlate with each other because Mm -hmm. you're creative. You know, a lot of people are just highly creative and that's great because you just keep making things. And with, you know, a business, especially if it's your passion, no matter what it is, it's still creative because business is creative. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, what would you tell people to do if they're like, huh, I am kind of spread thin with this business. Like how do you have any like tips or tricks or tools to like help them kind of narrow in on um, what they should focus on? 
I think it's really the combination of what are you good at? So what is something that people are always coming to you for? Like my friend, Amanda, my best friend, she, people were always coming to her for event planning help. This was a while ago. She'd plan all the girls trips. She'd plan, you know, she'd be, you, she definitely want her to be the um, maid of honor at your wedding. Like she was just on, she could knew where all the best flowers were. Like she was just yeah. this person. And now she's a director of catering at the biggest um, clam bake company on the North shore. So it just, that it just yeah. was something that she was very good at, loved to do, could see doing every day and something that people kept asking her for and that she could really see monetizing. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is the, the niching down. And mm -hmm. I know you talked a little bit about that and nonprofits have this challenge as well. They have 95 mm -hmm. programs and services and 45 different departments. And it, the challenge is just, no, I mean, your customer, your donor, they want the result, right? They want the outcome. They don't necessarily need to know how the sausage is made. Like they just right. want their outcome, their whatever it is that they're getting from you. So whatever story that they're telling. So I think, you know, I there's so much that goes on about talking about follow your passion. I don't know if I believe follow your passion. I think that sometimes that's a little bit of a cheat for people. I think that's mm. sometimes an escape where they say, well, I'm in this job. I'm not really passionate about it. So I'm just going to half-ass it. Well, okay. Why don't you f try to find something that you like to do? Maybe it's not your lifelong dream. You know, maybe my life, my lifelong dream is to go travel around the world and that, you know, and not work. So, <laughs> right. Same. Mine too. <laughs> Isn't it that everybody's totally. So <laughs> I think I can't really do that. Um, I can't really do that. Right. And not get paid for doing something, but right. finding something you you're good at, you're interested bloggers. in <laughs> and something that, like you just said, you want to continually learn about. Mm -hmm. So I'm always taking online courses. I'm going to conferences. I'm reading books. And the day that I stop wanting to learn more mm -hmm. is the day that I know I'm going to have to shift to something else, but just all something that you're curious about. And then obviously something that you can monetize. I mean, right. if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you don't have to get paid a million dollars, but something that people will pay for. I so agree with that. I think that's such a huge thing. Um, Oprah said something a long time ago that has always stuck with me. She said, um, there's a difference between um, your passion and your calling. Yes. And I was like, oh, what is it, Miss Oprah? Like Oprah is like everything to me. So oh yeah. Oh, Oprah. Naturally. I was amazing. like, tell us, tell us now. Mm -hmm. um, she's like, your passion is something that you love doing. You love it with all your heart. It is just amazing. Your calling is something that you can't not do. It's something that. that you always do that people ask you for that. You are always like, no, I always end up doing this. I absolutely love that. And talk about someone. I don't know if you listen to the podcast, uh, Becoming Oprah. No. What? Um, There's a yeah. podcast called Become. Okay. Well, well it's that. it's part of it's part of a series of podcasts. There was Becoming Obama. There was Becoming okay. Oprah. Oh, cool. I'm probably getting the name wrong, but we will find, find you it. that name. <laughs> I will <laughs> I will find it on Google. It's all about how Oprah became Oprah. It is so good. And talk about someone that it was unabashedly, unapologetically 
um, always being who she is. And she knows she turns some people off Mm -hmm. and she knows she's not for everybody. And she knows that she made some people angry. I mean, just really talk about someone that um, built a multi-billion dollar business, just being very authentic and true to herself and standing up for what she believes in. But yeah, that podcast is pretty incredible. It's like a series, you know, I think it's maybe six episodes. That sounds great. Yeah. I mean, when she was like, what is your calling? And, and then she said, when your calling and your passion get to be the same thing, like that's like winning the lottery because not all of us can be paid to be travel bloggers and Mm -hmm. travel all over or be paid to be on TV. Right. Like Oprah, you know, we can't. exactly. (laughs) And I think that, you know, you're always planting seeds and that's wonderful. And if that ends up happening along the way, that's great. But, you know, I think for so many people who either have small businesses or are trying, maybe even trying to be an actor or something like that, something really, really hard, um, you know, they're putting on all this effort and all this effort, but you have to kind of sit back and be like, is this trying to come to me too? Is this yes. coming to me? I, I might be doing everything I can, but is this working? And that is just in any business. Like if it's coming at you and you like doing it, boom, you've got it. Like you've got a great business. But like I had a business, I had a bakery um, mm. and it was during the whole cupcake craze and I won cupcake wars and I was like, oh my God, this is blowing up and it was coming yeah. at me. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like I, I like to bake but it wasn't my passion. It was my <laughs> hobby. I just thought this is fun. Yeah. But being the businesswoman that I am, I'm like, nope, I'm going to monetize on that and mm-hmm. I'm going to go with it. Mm-hmm. But what happened was that even though it was coming at me, I didn't want to do it. I really didn't want to do it. And it got yep. worse and worse and worse until finally I had to pull the plug and was like, this is, I don't want to do this. This is not yeah. my calling. It's draining you. It's not it's right. not lifting you up. And so that's kind of like the other side of it too. Like maybe it's coming at you, but it's not your fit. And it's okay to say, I don't want to do this, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, and go towards something that does light you up more and hopefully will come at you. But I mean, that's I life, love that right? idea. I do agree. I think that if it's so hard, if it's something that's very, very, very hard and a constant mm-hmm. slog, and a constant battle and a constant, like you don't want to get up in the morning, then you definitely might need to evaluate, is this your passion or is this your calling? Mm -hmm. But we all get burned out and we all have days when we just don't want to, we don't want to read another book or answer another email or check Instagram or do any of that. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I think, I think, you know, it's kind of like, when do you throw in the towel? Um, and sometimes it's very difficult, especially in jobs that you're secure in, like, mm-hmm. and you watch so many sunk costs. Yeah. Think about law school. Think about, I think Ugh. about, um, Rachel Rogers, another influencer who I am completely obsessed with. She is, she used to be a lawyer. She had a really successful law practice. And then she just decided she wants to help all women be millionaires. She was like, that's my calling. I'm going to be a life coach. She's usually <laughs> successful. But she, it was very scary because the yeah. sunk cost, like, oh my gosh, it took so much time and so much money to mm-hmm. go to law school. Like, can I really walk away from this? And I see that mm-hmm. a lot where, you know, I, I got my master's in public administration. I was going to work either in government or I was going to work as an executive director. Did I really want to give that up? Did I want to kind of throw it all away and go on my own? So those costs you do have to weigh um, for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think the pa- I always think the past is in the past and you can just move forward. 
I do too. And you know what? You can always go back. I mean, not everything, but you can. And you know what? Nobody does. How many people? Nobody does. Nobody does. Everyone's like, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, that's very, very true. Yeah. We could go on and on about this, but I'm going to leave it here. This has been so fun. Um, I'm so glad you guys talked about your business, what you do, and also just helping people. And hopefully people are listening and thinking that's kind of what I needed. I needed that that little like conversation to get where I need to go. Yeah. I mean, I, well, you can't apply for the Peace Corps right now as of this recording um, yes. because of COVID. <laughs> Unfortunately, they pulled all the volunteers out, but I, I met some, you know, people all ages. So thinking you just need a reset and want to, you know, I'm, I'm such an ambassador for the Peace Corps. I'm also a complete ambassador for starting your own business. Yeah. Just pulling the plug and quitting and starting from scratch and mm-hmm. just doing what you can until you find, like you just said, your, your true calling. Yeah, absolutely. Tell people Thank how you. they can find you. Uh, my website, jcsocialmarketing.com. I am on the Twitters. I love Twitter, actually. <laughs> I'm Julia C. Social on Twitter. So you can find me there. Okay, perfect. All right. Thank you, Julia. This was awesome. Yay. All right. Thanks so much, Jackie. This is fun. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl's Podcast.